2: and uh, has really put and reminded me what's
0: truly important.
1: Damian Lillard.
0: That was for Seattle.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. This week's
2: edition of Sports Business Radio is presented by Underdog Fantasy. Download the Underdog Fantasy app and use promo code SBR. An Underdog will match up to $100 on your first deposit. I am loving playing Pick'Em on Underdog Fantasy during the NBA playoffs. Got to tell you, Steph, Kevon Looney, Jimmy Butler, they've all been helping me with the overs and helping me win some cash on Underdog Fantasy. So that's been fun. I know Griggs plays as well. Again, use promo code SBR when you download the Underdog Fantasy app. A really fun guest lined up for you this week. Ken Golden, president of Golden Collectibles. He's going to join us. He is the star of the new Netflix series, King of Collectibles, Golden Touch on King of Collectibles. Golden jets around the country with armed guards, buying and selling and appraising million-dollar-plus items with celebrities including Peyton Manning, Mike Tyson, Logan Paul, and many others over a 40-year career. Ken Golden has sold $1.5 billion in collectibles and memorabilia from many of the biggest names in sports history and pop culture. Ken is a real character. He has some great stories. I think you're going to love this conversation. And Griggs, I know you've been watching the show, too. It's in the top 10 on Netflix. It's really a fun watch.
1: It's so fun. I mean, how fun would it be to just wander through the warehouse of his trinkets and oh toys. and I mean, just his office alone. He's got Super Bowl trophies. He's got all kinds of stuff behind him. But uh, yeah, fascinating guy. I love his story. Started when he was like five or six years old, you know, doing what us boys do when we were kids, trade, trading cards and doing the whole thing and running down the street to your buddy saying, hey, buy this for five cents, buy this for whatever. And uh, his story has just grown into this huge empire. And uh, man, his Rolodex too. Think of the, the phone numbers in his uh, phone book. He knows everybody. Oh I mean, it's a fascinating he show. Is. I love it yeah
2: and it reminds me like his warehouse reminds me of the scene in raiders of the lost ark yeah. where they like <laughs> right. have like everything in there all these relics and you're like oh my gosh here's michael jordan's right. game worn jersey from 1998 here's all the dream team jerseys from 1992 here's jackie robinson's jersey with yeah. a little bit of a blood stain on it like the stuff that he has and and you know it's pop culture he's got madonna stuff he's got Jimi hendrix stuff um really an amazing show. I love the relationship uh with his daughter yeah. on the show. That's a really fun <laughs> relationship. She's a character as well. You can definitely tell that she's his daughter. But uh fun show. I think you're going to enjoy this conversation today. We don't often talk about collectibles on this show, so I think it's going to be fun. And again, if you haven't seen the show on Netflix, uh The King of Collectibles, The Golden Touch, I think you'll really enjoy it. All right, let's look at some headlines before we get to the interview with Ken. Uh, headline number one Griggs, the NFL draft. Over 54 million fans watched the NFL draft. Um, there were 312,000 fans in attendance in Kansas City. Uh, Bryce Young was the number one pick overall. He's going to wear number nine for the Carolina Panthers. And, uh, you know, the Houston Texans made a big move. They had the second pick, but they also acquired the third pick from the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals got quite a hole for that third pick. But we saw a lot of quarterbacks go early and, uh, you know, overall a huge success for the NFL.
1: Yeah. Once again, NFL is king. You could tell the, the crowds were there. I mean, I saw a post from somebody this week about how it out, you know, ranked in Stanley cup, NBA games, tennis matches. Like it, Just the draft is, you know, getting more viewers than most other major sporting events. So it's pretty crazy how much uh, fan tunage there's been. And, you know, I was watching too. And as we called last week, we were talking about is going to be a quarterback going first. And here we are, Bryce Young going first. But, uh, you know, QBs usually are the top picks. And it's always fun to see how teams kind of, you know, work their magic and make things happen. So it's a fun couple of days for sure.
2: Well, and I want to congratulate someone who I've known since he was born, Jaden Grant. He played at Oregon State, the son of my close friend, Brian Grant signed with the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, this is a kid who walked on at Oregon State and starred there for four years and you know had all kinds of Pac-12 accolades. So I think he's going to do really well in Las Vegas with the Raiders and just so proud of Jaden, um, a tremendous young man on and off the football field. All right, Griggs, I've never seen this before. We've been doing this show for 19 years. This morning, we get a press release from the NFL and from Fox Sports They've gone back and said, oh, guess what? We didn't calculate the number of viewers correctly for the Super Bowl, (laughs) which, by the way, happened in February. Whoops. Okay, Yeah, so we're in May now. And now they're saying we missed 2 million viewers. So now their tally is 115.1 million viewers, and that makes it the most watched Super Bowl ever. The previous was 114.4 million viewers for the 2015 Super Bowl. So here's a little bit of trivia for you. And I know this because I'm from Arizona and I worked on the Arizona Super Bowl uh, a little bit with the committee there. The top two Super Bowls, most watched Super Bowls in history now, both took place in Arizona. (laughs) The most recent one between the Eagles and the Chiefs and the one in 2015 with the Patriots and Seahawks. So those are the two most watched Super Bowls ever. But again, Griggs, I can't remember where they've retallied the audience and said, oh, Nielsen screwed up. There were some metrics that were missed. And guess what? After further review, (laughs) we missed out on 2 million viewers. So it's 115.1. So, you know, what does that mean? It means advertisers got more value. It means they can say that, you know, Fox had the most viewed Super Bowl ever over any of the other networks. I mean, there's a lot of reasons for doing this. I have no reason to doubt that it's not legitimate. I do find it odd that here we are in May now and the Super Bowl took place in early February and we're just getting that tally. It reminds me of some other things that I won't go into that are hanging chads and other late tallies. (laughs) I was just going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Here we are. And, uh, you know, good for the NFL. Look, it's a lot of viewers no matter what. Like you just said, like this Super Bowl, you could combine the playoffs of all the other sports, and it's not reaching 115 yeah. million. Yeah. So, you know, an average NBA game, if they're lucky, NBA playoffs, gonna get 7 million viewers. I mean, LeBron versus Steph in round two of the NBA playoffs, which we'll get to in a minute, um, it's probably gonna break round two viewership records, and you're probably looking at 7 to 10 million as an audience. 115 million for the Super Bowl it blows every other sporting event and TV program away. Yellowstone, I mean, you name the most popular TV programs, and the NFL is king when it comes to playoffs, when it comes to Super Bowl. So uh, it's a it's a big number.
1: Yeah, I still don't understand why, like you mentioned, why it took so long and where did that come from? Was somebody just sitting at his desk like, hey, this doesn't look right. Let's go back and recount uh, the Nielsen <laughs> report. I mean, that I would love to be in that conversation of where it came up to get this discussion going. And here we are finding out that it was wrong. Right.
2: All right. Another big headline that we've been waiting for. We've discussed on this show. Lamar Jackson is remaining with the Baltimore Ravens. He signed a five-year, $260 million deal. He will beat Jalen Hurts by $1 million per year. So he'll make $52 million a year. Jalen Hurts makes fifty-one. million. So it seems like Hurts' contract was the igniter for potentially getting Lamar signed. Now, the thing we talked about and I've been tweeting about is would this contract be fully guaranteed like Deshaun Watson of the Cleveland Browns or was that contract an outlier and the owner said, "Well, we had a crazy owner, he went rogue." And, you know, that's not the norm for this league. This was not a fully guaranteed contract. 185 million of the 260 is fully guaranteed. The rest of it is not. So, What does that mean? It means a victory for the owners. Now, that's not the norm, a fully guaranteed contract. They can say Deshaun Watson's contract was an outlier. Crazy. You know, we're not going to have that in our league. um, And that will impact Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. Will one of those guys die on the mountain of, I need a fully guaranteed contract just like Deshaun Watson? I mean, I think both of them have better resumes than uh, Deshaun Watson. And certainly not the off the field problems, but, you know, we've used the C word before on this show collusion. Did the owners get together in a room at the most recent owners meeting and say, look, everyone at this table has to agree. We're not going to you know, sign fully guaranteed contracts for anyone anymore. Quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, no one. And, you know, again, we don't know that that was the conversation that took place but it certainly seems like the owners are in lockstep on that. But regardless, Ravens fans are very happy. Lamar Jackson is, you know, at his prime right now. Um, They went out and got him a wide receiver from Boston College in the draft. They've gotten him Odell Beckham Jr. There's uh, rumors that Hopkins may come from Arizona to join the Ravens. So, you know, it seems like Lamar is happy. I'd be happy with $185 million guaranteed. And this is the guy, remember, who you know fell in the draft and a lot of people said, oh, maybe he should be a wide receiver. Maybe he can't play quarterback. Well, he's one of the most electric quarterbacks in the league. And again, if I was building a team, he'd be one of the first guys that I'd want to have on my team. So good for him. And Griggs, here's the sports business angle. And we talked about this before. Lamar Jackson did this contract without an agent. So. He saved himself roughly $7 million Mm. in commissions to an agent. Um, Reportedly, according to a few different stories, he gave that commission to his mom, who served as the agent. So, nice payday for mom. I'm sure he would have taken care of mom anyways. But, uh, you know, they got to keep that in the family in their pocket versus giving that to an agent. And ultimately, they got it done. So, you know, score one for doing a big contract without an agent.
1: I'd be curious how many players in professional leagues are without agents and how many are with agents. That'd be kind of a cool stat cuz you don't hear a ton of the no agent, you know, deals like this, especially big ones, but uh I'm sure it's probably, you know, a certain amount of players are, but yeah, I think it's a win for for all parties uh, included, you know, and the Ravens are going to get better. He's awesome. Uh, they're building around him. That's clear. I think Baltimore is going to be a force if he can stay healthy. He is electric. I mean, if they're playing, I'm watching because it's just he's so fun to watch play and he changes the game. So I think uh, I'm glad he got the, the deal done. But like you said, it is a win for the, the owners because they don't have to be locked down to these fully guaranteed, which is tough, especially in the NFL when injuries are going to happen no matter what you do. So it's hard to guarantee these millions and millions when you don't know if your player is going to be playing for the the life of the contract. So, you know, NFL is fun to watch. Offseason is always rocking and rolling. Here we go.
2: All right, let's look at NBA playoffs. Like I mentioned a few minutes ago, uh, round two now is going to feature Steph versus LeBron. It's probably going to break all kinds of viewership records for a round two matchup. And Griggs, as we record this, the average ticket price for a game in LA or San Francisco, remember we were in San Francisco in December, $775 $775 for a ticket to either venue. So this is going to be the most expensive non NBA finals ticket that we've seen, you know, who knows how long Steph and LeBron are going to play. This might be the last matchup of them in the playoffs. Um, and you've got NoCal versus SoCal. And <laughs> I went to school in SoCal. So I know what that means, whether it's yeah. Giants, Dodgers, or when it was Raiders, Rams, uh, you know, now it's Warriors, Lakers. And this is going to be a super interesting series. I think everyone's going to be watching Steph and LeBron. Steph had that 50 point explosion in game seven against Sacramento, really one of the best games of his career. But, you know, these guys are must see TV, and the NBA and ESPN and TNT are turning cartwheels because they get this matchup in round two.
1: Well, look, you know, playoff Steph, playoff LeBron are next level giants. I mean, they go to another world. We saw it with Jimmy Butler too. These stars show up for the playoffs, especially in big games, game sevens, you know, big important games. But uh, yeah, this is this is definitely going to be a serious. <laughs> the NBA is loving it. the The networks are loving it. And uh, I mean, TNT is. We've said it many times before. Their their halftime show and pregame show is the best on TV. I mean, I watch, that's the only show I'll tune into at halftime to watch. You know, you usually tune right. out and go watch something else. That's must see TV. I mean, it is great. So I love the well, NBA gone plus.
2: fishing is is like a musty segment, <laughs> right, right? Like, right. okay, the Memphis Grizzlies just got eliminated. Let's see what Gone Fishing <laughs> looks like. And they've got the upgraded uh super boat. Yeah. And um, I yeah, love it. it is I agree. It's it's the best studio show on TV. It's it's very, very funny. Uh the Knicks are still in it. They're down one-nothing well to the heat as we record this. Um, and you know again when you've got big markets like LA and New York in the mix you're going to get better TV ratings so you know the league is loving the fact that the Knicks and the Lakers are in round 2 um and we'll see what happens from here Griggs last headline how about the NHL playoffs so we talked about the Bucks losing to the Heat 1 versus 8 this is even crazier you had the Boston Bruins who had the best regular season of any team in NHL history playing the Florida Panthers, who finished 43 points behind the Bruins in the regular season. So, like, the Panthers really shouldn't have even been in the playoffs. Then you take it a step further and you go, okay, Boston is crushing Florida in round one, three games to one. Well, guess what? Florida came back and they beat The Boston Bruins in round one, one of the biggest upsets by betting odds and by point differential 43 points in the regular season in NHL playoff history. The Florida Panthers took down the Boston Bruins, who, again, if you want to compare this to the NBA, this is, I think, bigger than the Heat beating the Milwaukee Bucks. And that was a big upset. And, you know, bigger than like the Giants beating the New England Patriots when the Patriots were undefeated and playing in the Super Bowl. It's one of the biggest playoff upsets ever. Again, if you just look at regular season record. But, Griggs, that's why you play the games. That's why you play on the ice or you play on the field or you play on the court because upsets like this could happen. Um, the other thing is our, our Colorado avalanche, They're one of my adopted sports teams because of our friend Declan Bolger, who works for uh, Cronky Sports. And they're the defending champs. But, Griggs, your Seattle Kraken took them out. That's right. So the regular season champ this year, Boston, out. The defending Stanley Cup champ, Colorado, out. And even our Tampa Bay Lightning, who we focused on last year. I went to a Lightning game. It was great. They've been in the... Stanley Cup the last three years they're out so the NHL playoffs is like wild and up for grabs and you know a lot of people think the NHL playoffs are the best playoffs of all Um, but it's been fun to watch so far because there have been a lot of upsets
1: I do love the NHL playoffs and uh, I'm a hockey guy and grew up watching hockey so I'm loving the Kraken in Seattle went to a game this year with my dad and brother and that is a fascinating environment they have a a great fan base, so I'm loving this. Uh, bring on Dallas, and uh, it's just fun. I, the, the hockey fan is so passionate, and they know the game so good that they don't miss a beat. I mean, the, every little puck drop, every little, oh, that's offsides. The fan knows what's going on. I love that. So, yeah, and how about Florida beating in Boston Garden, in TD Garden, Game 7? That was just fascinating. I can't believe they won that, and uh, the series are fun. The battle in New York was fun. Jersey in New York was fun, uh, across the river. So that it's just been great. I'm looking forward to the second round now.
2: Will you see, so Jersey advances for the first time in forever. Toronto Maple Leafs advance for the first time in, I think, 20, 21 years. Um, Florida advances, like Seattle advances. You've got some new blood advancing in the NHL playoffs, and it's been fun to watch. And these fan bases that have been starved or have never been there, like (laughs) the (laughs) Kraken, you know, they're super excited about advancing in the NHL playoffs. And meanwhile, you have these you know, Titan franchises, Colorado, uh, you know, the Boston, Tampa Bay, yeah, Boston, Tampa Bay Lightning, and and they're out. So uh it's been fun to watch. All right. Coming up next, Ken Golden, the king of collectibles, the golden touch. It's on Netflix, but he's with us here this week on sports business radio. Griggs, so we've kind of gone Hollywood lately. We had Ted Lasso on last week so uh four members of the cast of ted lasso on last week that's on apple tv plus we've got a netflix show on this week with ken golden and then next week we're going to focus on the new documentary angel city that's on angel city fc um it's the women's pro soccer club that's in the nwsl um and they have a new doc coming out on hbo that starts on may 15th so we're going to talk to uh, some members of the Angel City FC team, and we're going to talk to the director of the documentary for HBO. So, Griggs, I mean, I, I feel like we're we're sports business radio, but we're also kind of like turning into entertainment tonight as well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. We have our entertainment uh, segment every week. But yeah, no, I love it. I think mean, there's so much good content out there you can't not have these shows on because it's fun. And, you know, like Ken ties into sports. He's a huge sports guy, obviously, in the memorabilia world. So, hey, you know, we're crossing over. We're covering it all. We we got you covered here on SBR. Let's go.
2: I mean, I'm not nearly as good looking as Mario Lopez, but uh, <laughs> and I don't even know what show he's on. But uh, I know he's been on for a while and he talks about entertainment. But, you know, we're trying to do our best to bring you uh, good conversations. And I mean, that is, I'll just say this, like with these streaming services, they're all doing sports programming and it's been fun to kind of peek under the hood of some of these shows and get to talk to some of the characters, whether it's Ted Lasso or Ken Golden or, you know, next week, Angel City FC. All right. Coming up next, Ken Golden, president of Golden Collectibles. He's going to join us right here on Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy sports. It's also the fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Your fantasy leagues might be over, but you can still play fantasy sports games on Underdog Fantasy. I love playing Pick'em and Rivals. With Pick'em, you can pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. You can win 20 times your money in a single night you pick between two and five players to build a pick entry. Also, Rivals pits two players against each other. That's a lot of fun too. It could be two players on the same team. It could be two players from other teams. Points, rebounds, fantasy points. It's a lot of fun. I'm enjoying that with NBA games especially right now. Sign up today with promo code SBR and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Visit underdogfantasy.com Or find them in the App Store and don't forget to register with my promo code SBR, like Sports Business Radio, to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Must be 18 plus and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit
1: www.ncpgambling.org. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger.
2: My guest is Ken Golden. He's the focus of the new Netflix show, King of Collectibles, the golden touch on King of Collectibles, golden jets around the country with armed guards buying, selling, and appraising million-dollar-plus items with celebrities, including Mike Tyson, Logan Paul, and many others. Over a 40-year career, he's sold 1.5 billion dollars in collectibles and memorabilia for many of the biggest names in sports history and pop culture. This new series for Netflix premieres on April 28th and it's produced by Peyton Manning. Ken, thanks for joining me on Sports Business Radio. How are you? I'm doing great. Glad to be here with you, Barry. All right, for our listeners, let's start
0: with how did you get into the collectibles business and when did that happen? Oh, it's a long long time. I uh, literally I collected as a little kid, I mean, probably littler than most. And I did my first business transaction when I was 12, when I traded my electric race car set for a friend's uh, sports card collection and did my first cash transaction when I was uh, 13 and then started buying and selling and shipping out cards through the mail and have done it ever since. My, My mother always told me, you need to get a work history, working for somebody else, you know, get a real job, get experience. And uh, fortunately for me, she was wrong. <laughs> How does the process work with you either being
2: brought a collectible and you have to put a value to it or you're out there searching for a collectible that someone wants? Which happens more that people bring
0: things to you or you're out searching for these things? Um, I would say right now, earlier, you know, I started going in 2012. Really, for probably the first five years, it was me searching and me convincing people why they choose my company. And really, you know, for the past several years, once we got a lot of news, once we started record breaking sales, be it a T206 Honus Wagner um, for a record price, 52 Mantle, or, you know, a, a Jackie Robinson bat or, or anything of that nature, uh, you know, and then obviously. Um, when we sold a 2009 Mike Trout card for close to $4 million, people said, wait a minute, modern card could be worth that much. Since then, the majority of people with items contact us, and then it's our job to determine, okay, is it worth anything or not, and is it real or not? How do you assign that value to it? I know a lot of times it's bidding,
2: but I wouldn't even know where to begin to assign an initial value. Um
0: Look, a lot of it, you know, most of the business, it's, it's kind of like, if you can think about it, you know, it's kind of like a real estate business where you need some sort of, you know, a comparable comp, okay? You need some sort of comp, uh, but everything is so often a one of a kind. You know, trading cards are easy because you get them graded by PSA, they on a scale of, you know, one to 10, you can see what, if you have an eight, you can see what an eight sold for, if you have a nine, you can see what a nine sold for, so trading cards are easy. It's the memorabilia. It's the used items. It's the rarities. It's the highest grade of a comic book. It's a you know a, a a cap worn by Babe Ruth, something like that. That really are the tough items, or something you may not even think of, like uh, you know a jersey worn the first game of Kobe Bryant. Obviously, it's never been sold. What can you compare it to? So for me, um, honestly, I do it off the top of my head. I mean, I, I realistically, I have bought. And sold so many items that I can say, okay, fine. I sold this Code B for 3.6. This is a better jersey. So I'm gonna sign a five million dollar value. It's like it's like when um when Todd Brady's Super Bowl jersey was stolen. Um, what was that against it? Atlanta was 2018 Super Bowl, and um, you know, it uh, you know, they came to USA Today, came to me and, and said, What do you think it's worth? And I gave them a value. And then I said, But by the way. You know, you know, my, my estimate at the time was 500000 And I said, but based on all the publicity, you know, if it was ever sold, it would go for over a million. Because on me, every single, you know, newspaper and outlet was saying it's a million-dollar item. The FBI was searching for this guy in Mexico who stole the jersey. It, was, it, it, it reached the threshold of the FBI getting involved based on the value that I had assigned it. You know, and today you ask me what that's worth, I'd say $10 million dollars. Wow, yeah, and that's wow. and that's how much that's how much the rare items have gone up, and the value of Tom Brady got, collectibles have gone up since then. That's crazy. Yeah. How often does it
2: happen where someone has an item? I mean, you hear stories all the time about oh, my trading cards are buried in a box in the garage, or I've got this rare item, and you know my mom put it in a safe somewhere. Or how often do people come to you and say, "I have this"? I think it might be worth something, and you're like, "Oh, that's like Raiders
0: of the Lost Ark. Like that is worth a lot of money." Yeah. Um. Most of the time, it doesn't work out that way. The you know the, the biggest things we find is a lot of, a lot of people do not know how. Trading cards is very common. Everyone thinks they have a rare Honus Wagner card. What they don't realize is that only one of his cards out of many is worth a significant m- amount of money, and there were a lot of reprints of that. But you know, occasionally, you know, we do get something where i say oh, holy cow we need to get that item. can that possibly be real a- and you know we hope it's real and it's our job to prove that what they have is authentic whether it's a rare document for a historic event sports whether it is you know the jersey worn during a historic sporting event a ball used in the historic sporting event. I mean, that's a perfect example. I've had three, at three points times in my career. I've had people tell me that they have the actual home run ball that Bobby Thompson hit in 1951 that shot her around the world. Okay. And obviously he, there's no way to ever prove that, you know, it's just, it, it, it's, it's, it's an, un, it's an unsellable item, you know, and of course, every time it just is all family stories. Oh, my dad was outside the market. He caught this ball. blah, blah, blah. That's crazy. What is the uh,
2: craziest request that you've gotten from someone who says, I want this, like, go find it, and I'll pay top dollar for it?
0: Uh, uh, the toughest request, the toughest, and it's not, not, not the craziest, but the toughest is you know, people wanting an authentic Babe Ruth Boston Red Sox worn jersey. Wow. I've never I've never come across an actual example of one, you know an authenticated example um but it's 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 that it's it's a lot of it's a lot of player requests. I mean it's almost always player related. um I can you find the jersey this guy wore on this game when he did x? whatever sport it doesn't matter if it's hockey, baseball, basketball, football, soccer that is the most common you know, you know, requests that we would get is, hey, you know, can you find something from this game? Hey, can you find something from this game? Um, You know, Barry Bonds told me if I could ever get something, you know, used in Jackie Robinson's first game, April 15th, 1947, that would be the item he'd want to own. So you've got like this running list of, I mean, that's interesting that
2: athletes come to you and want things from other athletes or entertainers or celebrities.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, look, that's how, uh, you know, Drake is, is in the, um, you know, it's, it's, I, I, I flew to Canada for a night with Drake on, on sports cards, and that's in the Netflix show. And the reason I knew Drake is for years, um, through his manager, he used me personally to acquire things that he displays in his house and to acquire unusual collectibles, mostly sports, um, some uh, Tupac items, and on one special occasion... I'm hanging the unique uh Valentine's Day uh gift for a girlfriend. Wow. Which is right. be related. Interesting. Let's talk about the Netflix
2: show. It comes out sure. on April 28th. Yeah. How did you decide to do a
0: Netflix show? Again, Peyton Manning is one of the producers. How did this all come together? Sure. Well, I it's it's not like I decide I'm gonna do a Netflix show. I, I throughout 2019 and 2020, especially during COVID. It seemed like every week somebody turned on the TV or looked in the internet, they saw my name talking about the booming sports collectible industry. So at the end of 2020, you know, we took a, uh, my company, um, you know, which I had obviously w- which founded was the owner. Uh, we took on an outside investment from a group led by Peter Cherinan and the Cherin. Um, and that's had famous, famous, you know, athletes and investors such as Mark Cuban, Dwayne Wade, Kevin Durant. Venus Williams, Joe Burrow, and others all took little pieces um, of the deal. Um, but Peter Turn's background was, of course, Fox Studios. So the first thing they did was they had also recently made, I believe, an investment in you know, the former head of ESPN production uh, and, the, and the guy who created The Last Dance, Connor Schell. Um, so the first thing they did was put me on a Zoom with Connor, and I met Connor, and he said, your, your life is fascinating. I need to do a TV show it. And um, what happened was in the very early stages, he joined forces with uh, Wheelhouse, Brent Montgomery, who created Pawn Stars. And they then put together a, you know, what would, a sizzle reel. And, you know, they were working with Omaha. They showed the sizzle reel of Peyton Manning. And he said, well, I, I got to get involved. How can I get out?" So, <laughs> so the three myself and and the three production companies went out to you know to sell the show and my instructions were always if Netflix is interested they have it so you know we showed it to Disney we showed it to discovery a couple others but when Netflix came in with an offer <clears throat> nobody else mattered so and and that's how we did it and we started we, we filmed and completed the filming in uh 2020 uh two wow and there's six episodes right for season lift season when we hope there's multiple seasons They signed me up to to many many seasons well into my 60s so you know very very long term um but uh you know season one drops april 28th we um, hope everybody loves it anybody listening you need to watch all six episodes um everyone's completely different and um hopefully people love it and um there'll be a lot more and I think they're, what, 30 minutes each is... Yeah, I mean, I think there's like 31 to 35. That quote, quote, 30-minute episode right. average. You know, maybe one's 29, maybe one's 39 minutes. It's Netflix. I think they're what they want. Yeah, I, I saw the trailer. It looks fantastic. And, I mean, how much
2: private jet travel and flying around are you doing? Is that a big part of your your job? Or is that
0: kind of like just to make it look good for the Netflix series? Um. On a personal level, I have not traveled commercial uh, since uh, 2020, early 2020. Okay. Wow. Hey, if you can get... So it was, it was not... You know, the, the other thing you've got to realize is, <clears throat> let's face it, you know, think about this. So I'm going somewhere and let's say I'm going out of the country. which I do in one episode. I leave the country and I come back <clears throat> with uh, $20 million worth of stuff. On a plane, right? How would I? How would I be able to com- be comfort that that is going to travel on a commercial flight, be protected, not get lost in luggage, be fragile and not get damaged? Um, it makes economic sense, and also be the insurance companies I and mean, everything I do is insured. It's it's cheaper insurance if I am flying myself with my own. Security guard uh, traveling with me, um, or in some cases multiple security guards. Then I'm um, walking through, you know, Philadelphia or LA airport, right. you know, twenty million dollars in three bags. Yeah, it makes all the sense in
2: the world. I, I mean, when you put it that way, it makes all the sense in the world.
1: You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back after this. 5G is here. Is your
2: stadium ready? From an immersive fan experience to efficient game day operations, 5G is transforming sports and entertainment. If you're ready to jumpstart your 5G transformation, look no further than Boingo Wireless. Boingo is one of the largest operators of indoor wireless networks in the U.S. They provide stadiums and arenas with state of the art 5G networks and support teams across the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer. At NCAA. I'm constantly interacting with sports executives, and the reason they love working with Boingo is because Boingo manages 5G and Wi Fi networks end to end, offloading very stretched IT teams. Whether your stadium is looking to support mobile ticketing, cashless payment, or connected operations, Boingo has you covered. But don't just take it from me. Their customers include world class venues like Soldier Field, State Farm Arena, Petco Park, and University of Louisville. Boingo in 5G, now that's what I call a win-win. For a limited time, Boingo has a special offer for Sports Business Radio listeners. They're offering a free 5G assessment for your stadium or arena. To get started, simply email sbradio at boingo.com and mention this podcast. That's sbradio at boingo.com. Our thanks to Boingo for their continued support of Sports Business Radio.
1: Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. I'm envisioning like this Raiders
2: of the Lost are kind of warehouse that you have for you have all of your collectibles. Like, where do you keep things? And you don't have to give me like specific location, but I'm imagining you have a big storage facility where you keep these very important items, right?
0: Yeah, so we're you know we're we're in South Jersey. so we have a um you know large warehouse, large uh, secured facility uh, with you know twenty four hour security and you know literally armed guards at all time. But we're part of a company called uh, you know as part of a deal I did in twenty four, we're part of a company called Collectors. So now there is a literal Fort Knox of collectibles that is in delaware. Um, uh, when I say a literal Fort Knox, there is actually a barrier to cross a car into it, okay so like, like literally it's, it's, so it's it's heavy security, exclusive vault, only collectibles and only items that are in the collector's vault. and not only do we have stuff there, but individual you know people who have collections are able to submit it online and have their stuff stored there free of charge. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. I can't wait to watch the show. And I'm assuming, Mm -hmm. like you know, this facility is shown in the show, right? Uh, The I our warehouse is shown in the in the show. The facility itself is not. This facility is not shown in the show. Maybe in season two, right? Your private collection.
2: I mean, I'm imagining just like if you were drinking wine, like you might be Mm -hmm. out there selling wine to others, but you've got your private collection that you want. I what's in your private collection?
0: Things that you treasure um, from your life. I mean, so, look, I I collect. You know, my my, my first love is um, baseball and baseball game used and older baseball cards. So I mean, everyone knows about the famous teacher of Six set. Um, I own a complete T Six set. Um, I own a lot of the early sets up through the 1970s. Um, I'm a big game used collector. Um, recently, did a video on my favorite and best collectible, which I store at the Collectors Vault, as an example, um, and that is a game-used bat of Babe Ruth used during his sixty-home run season in nineteen twenty-seven. Wow. So, if you if you, if you don't want a Babe, if you want to own a Babe Ruth bat, might as well use it from nineteen twenty-seven, right? But you know, I, I collect, um, you know, I collect some comic books. I collect just really cool stuff that you know that fascinates me, like. I I saw this, and you know I, I saw a uh, yeah I sold this up for for auction, and I said I need to own this. This is just like so cool It's a piece of history, and a lot of people don't know this. Jackie Robinson didn't magically retire in 1956. Jackie Robinson, you know, Dodgers probably hit this for the history now, but he was traded by the Brooklyn Dodgers to New York Giants in December of 1956, as opposed to getting traded. He retired. I have the actual signed trade contract that showed that he was being sold. I believe it was uh, $30,000 and a minor league player to the New York Giants. And I have the signed contract um, by the Brooklyn Dodgers in my personal collection. I just think that is just such a it's just such a cool item. I mean, like, you know, another this item doesn't exist. I, I can't imagine it exists anywhere. Do you ever see in the movie eight men out? Yes. Okay. And you know, he read, I'm sure you read the book and that that's the you know, most of it's a true story. And the fact that Joe Jackson signed a confession and it was lost to trial, you know, it magically disappeared. It's true. Can you imagine finding that signed confession that out? That, that's always been like my personal number one thing of my life is that exists. If somebody took it and kept it, I'd love to, I'd love to get it. Oh
2: my gosh. That would be amazing. Mm-hmm. All right. So why have you on, I, I want to ask you this. Um, I had the opportunity a few years ago. I was doing some work for Nike, and mm-hmm. I had a chance to have dinner with George Raveling. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you know the George Raveling story of okay. he did security for Martin Luther King at the I Have a Dream speech. Yep, and no one knew this speech was going to become what it became. And he asked Dr. King if he could have the copy of the speech. Yep, and he has this in his possession. What do you
0: think that's valued at? I mean, I've uh, often it wondered. It's funny. You know, it is a small world. Um, I've dealt with this son. Okay. And I dealt with his son on specifically appraising that exact document. Wow. Um, so I do have a copy of it. And, you know, the unfortunate thing about that is that a lot of the ending part, if you've ever seen the document, was ad-lib. So right. it's not in, it's not in, in the notes. But, you know, I've appraised it in excess of $10 billion. <laughs> wow. So that's one of those one-of-a-kind, like, you know,
2: just rare, rare, kind of what you just talked about, like the guest action. That, you know, if you
0: get your hands on that, that's that's one of one. Exactly. Okay. And, and then that's the type of thing, quite frankly, if you, know, you don't know what's going to happen in an auction, something like that, you know, you may find the right benefactor that wants to buy it and put gifted to the Smithsonian. And you may say to them the cost of $25 million. And they may say, sure, that's it's a great piece of American history. It belongs on display forever. And they just may pay, pay $25 million for it, even though it might be appraised at a lower number. Wow. Um, going back to the Netflix show, what was the the most fun you had
2: doing season one? Like, Was there a moment that stood out to you?
0: Yeah. The, the, the Mike, Tyson was a pleasure to work with and a riot. Um, but, you know, and then that, like, incredible. But the two most dramatic scenes to me, people are not going to see that, like, I think episode four through six. And without mentioning, there was one unbelievable collection of, you know, historical basketball items that I got from outside the country with, with a non-celebrity, that was, that was very, very, very tense because they filmed a live deal. Mm. Okay. In progress. I went down there with the hopes of getting a deal and did not know I would be coming back empty handed. So that, that was like the highlight and most stressful. Um, But the funnest, and craziest individual that I worked with on season one, it's got to be Logan Paul. Okay. Well, I'm sure everyone's anxiously
2: anticipating the debut of uh, King of Collectibles: The Golden Touch, April twenty eighth on Netflix. Before I let you go, you know, like you said, you've been doing this for a long time. How has the industry evolved and
0: changed over the time that you've been doing this? Oh my god! So look. If you go back to time when I was a kid, when I was buying and selling stuff, you know, forget the fact that there were no mobile phones. Forget the fact that, you know, that, that, that maybe the Apple One was the only computer in existence. Forget the fact that there was no internet. There were no price guides. There were no written price guides. So I was buying and selling cards. There were zero price guides. And also you had to hide. You, you like literally, if you collected cards, you collected sports memorabilia, He didn't go to parties and talk about it. It wasn't an asset. It was a waste of money, right? Um, So it has evolved into a big business where there are apps online that give you an estimated value, what everything's worth. There are third-party authenticators like PSA that will seal up a card and tell you exactly what it's worth and tell you if an autograph is real or not. There are comps galore. It really has elevated into part of our culture And really, for a lot of people, an alternative asset class, which is certainly not what, you know, I expected when I was a little kid on, you know, buying and selling baseball cards. Do you find more people are
2: collecting high priced items just because they want to have that item or
0: because they see it as a future investment? Um, I believe my, my personal opinion is I think that the memorabilia is more emotional um like i had a billionaire spend 3.6 million dollars on a rookie photo match kobe jersey it's because his son won the jersey and you know they they you know they love kobe and they're from la um and they were competing against similar people so i think memorabilia is more of a personal choice you know bringing back memories being part of history capturing a moment a little piece of it and that is probably more for you know, their pleasure personal, if they happen to decide to sell and make money, that's great. I think the trading cards, the majority is very much a business. People are looking to buy slab graded cards, get the highest possible graded, put it in the set registry. And, you know, a lot of people hope it appreciates and then sell it. Ken Golden, King of Collectibles, The Golden Touch, it debuts on Netflix on
2: April 28th. Thank you so much. This has been a great conversation. And I can't wait to watch the
0: show. I've seen the trailer and it, it looks very appealing. Thank you very much, Brian. I hope everyone watches it, enjoys it, and uh, hope to be doing again with this, this with you uh, next year for season two. That would be great. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back.
2: Talent, hard work, focus, and determination got you here. Now take the right steps to prepare for your future and ensure that you stay at the top of your game, your business, your craft. Morgan Stanley Sports and Entertainment is a division of Morgan Stanley Wealth Management dedicated to serving the unique and sophisticated needs of elite and professional athletes, entertainers, executives, creators, and other top talent and professionals in the sports and entertainment industry. They deliver the education, strategies, and expertise you need to help advance your financial game plan at every stage of your career journey. They speak the language. They know your business. Morgan Stanley will work with you to achieve your goals. I've trusted Morgan Stanley with my personal wealth management for almost 20 years. Visit Morgan Stanley at morganstanley.com backslash GSE. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our team at Sports Business Radio: Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Ryan Nakajima, and our friends at CG Sports who power Sports Business Radio, CG Young. Matt Amerlin, Nicole Wardle, and Calvin Wirtz. I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio